Well, good morning. Good morning. I am so excited to be back here standing. I've got my chair here just in case I need to sit down, but standing after three plus months, maybe a week or two more than that, of these major spine surgeries I had back in late June. And it has been, as many of you know, an incredibly difficult recovery process still in that, still dealing with this little left leg pain that's residual from that when you start messing around with the spine and you have 21 implants or so uh, implanted in your lumbar sacral spine, the nerves get angry. <laughs> and indeed mine are. So, but I am so glad to be here, excited to be here with you and, and teach the Word of God. We've got a good message this morning. Before I start another series next week, the Holy Spirit put this on my heart this week, and I'm excited to share it with you. Because I think it will help you in your relationships with the Lord, relationships with others, friends, family. And so let me pray us in, and we'll get started. Father God, I thank you for your word. Your word is truth. It is the absolute truth. It is the only truth in a world that is lost and hopeless and relying on people like us, your messengers, your ambassadors, to, to share the hope of Christ, to tell people about the love of God through Christ. And Lord, I pray this message today encourages us in those areas that everyone would receive something that they need to do uh, in terms of their relationships with you and then with others. Holy Spirit, would you um, just teach us, teach us this morning through your word. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, amen. Well, the title of the message is While It's Still Called Today, and I want to give you a brief introduction to that. I was sitting right over here in my little studio office study here, and the Holy Spirit, as he often does, and journaling leans in and just gives me a word that's a familiar word. And I'm one of these guys that, unlike many, I began listening to Christian music back in the late 70s, and it was in its infancy. It was really, really in its infancy. I mean, Amy Grant was a really young, just a teenager, uh, hard-to-find Christian radio stations. You might find some scratchy AM station or way down on the left end of the dial on an FM station occasionally. It stayed that way for many years, by the way. But as it grew into the 80s, many more, more artists came on. And one of my very favorites was Stephen Curtis Chapman. Was then, still is today. Love man of God, a great family. He um, Mary Beth, great marriage, great testimony. Dealt with lots of stuff, just as we all do. But really love and admire him, his writing, the songs. And this is one of them while I still call today. I think it was released in the early 90s, like 92. But another one of the, the great singers, soulful, wonderful voice, the angels probably pause and say, whoop, time out, BB's singing, we need to stop and listen to that. Because it just this amazing, wonderful voice. It's BB Winans, of course from that amazing godly family, the Winans family, going back to his mother and father, and then all those brothers, and of course, Cece, B.B. and Cece sang together for many years, just pillars of the Christian um, music industry, and B.B. had these, had their own careers later, 
But BB sang on this song, Stephen Curtis Shepton, while I still called today. And I want you to Google it, go listen to it. It will bless you. Oh, it will bless you, and you will love it. But that was the that was kind of the motivation behind it because the verse that the verse where it came from is Hebrews three thirteen. And Hebrews thirteen the three thirteen said, But exhort one another daily while it's still called today. Exhort one another daily while it's still called today. And there's an admonition at the end of that verse, and I'm going to speak into that later. But right now, I've got a lot to cover today. And I will post this as I always do. For those who like to read things, it'll be uh, this message and the notes will be posted. The YouTube video will be up by Monday or Tuesday, as well the audio podcast version. So you can read, watch, or listen to everything that I do and you can see it all. Uh, OnlyJesus.life is that website. YouTube channel is Walter Spires and Only Jesus. And the podcast, the same things on um, Spotify, Anchor Spotify. I think they're all one now. So with that said, let's get started. The first one is this. I've got five things that are, that are present participles. Present participles because that means that the word, the action is ongoing. So instead of I told you this, I'm telling you this implies I'm telling you this and it continues. So the first one is telling. And it's telling people that you love them. Telling people that you love them. I don't do that enough. Most men don't. Uh, my generation grew up in, in, a, in a time that many fathers, many dads, the World War II dads, just didn't say they loved people. We know that they did. My grandfather never told my, my father. And it's just generations where it's kind of sad that uh, men just didn't tell their, even their wives uh, that just the spoken word wasn't there. And I'll tell you what's interesting. I studied hard on this, looking to find a place in the Bible where it tells us to tell people that we love them. And I couldn't find one. In all of Scripture, I searched and searched and searched, and there is no command to tell people that you love them. Now, it is replete with commands that we show people that we love them because love then is that verb where we, it's a noun and a verb, but we want to demonstrate that we love people. But I think we also need to tell them. And so what I did find were verses where there were people telling them that they love them. And I want to share some of those with you. Okay? So the admonition, the encouragement to us is that we tell people that we love them. <laughs> we move through, if we start with Adam and Eve and we go all the way through and into the patriarchs with Abraham and through that time and Moses, Moses to Joshua, Joshua then into the period of the judges, judges to the kings where Saul was a horrible, awful king, not a man of God at all. There's not one verse that I could find where it talked about loving someone else. That they told them, I love you in those words. And, of course, we get to David. And David, in the, the master writer of the Psalms, many of the Psalms, said in Psalm 18, which is one I memorized many years ago, because of the words he used to start it. <clears throat> in Psalm 18, 1, David said this, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Speaking straight into the, to the face of God, the man after God's own heart, the one so close to God, the one who had, so many horrible, awful sins in his life. The one who 
you would think God would have just thrown him aside and abandoned him, but he did not because David loved the Lord with all of his heart, and he was a repentant man despite all of his sins and all the things. And aren't we just like that if we admit it and confess it? Yes, we are. But David said in Psalm 18:1, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, my strength. You are my rock, my fortress, and my redeemer, my God, in whom I take refuge. And then he said in verse 3, I will call upon the name of the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I will be saved from my enemies. And there's a Christian song I learned years ago, kind of a praise chorus on that one. And many of you might, some of you might know that. You've got to be older like me. But David said that. In Jeremiah, the Lord God said this to Israel. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. So God spoke those words to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. That's Jeremiah 31.3. Israel, my nation, Jacob, I love you with an everlasting love. And he did, and he does. And so he does with us who are born again in Christ. We move into the New Testament. And I've got all these written out for you, so you just follow along. You have to be looking them up, shuffling through your Bible. Because I'm moving quickly here this morning to keep on our time and also my uh, pain threshold. In John 14, 31, this is a really interesting verse because I kept looking for those where, you know, Jesus said those words and, or told us to tell people this. But in John 14, 31, Jesus was speaking and teaching his disciples in those, those last days together that after, the, after the Last Supper, he said to them, but so that the world may know that I love the Father. So that the world may know I love the Father. Here it is Jesus, who is fully God, but in the incarnate form of God here on earth as a man with men and women so that they would know and understand more about God. That's why Jesus came, so that we might know that mysterious trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He said that so that the world will know that I love the Father, I do exactly what he told me to do. And that I do exactly as he's commanded me. And that's John 14, 31. So that I can demonstrate that I love him. So he's speaking the words, I love my Father. I love my Father. And as a demonstration of that love, I do exactly what he has commanded me to do. Now, in John 15, flip the page, in John 15, verse 12, he's again, he's talking to his disciples this whole time. And he said, this is my commandment, that you love one another, meaning each other, the disciples loving each other, just as I have loved you. And he's speaking, and maybe it's not directly, I love you, but he says, I has I have loved you. And of course, there he means all the things that he has done for them, with them, and will do continuing through the Holy Spirit that he's going to send. But he said, as that the world may know that, that excuse me, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Okay? So it is so important. I made a note down here before I move on to the next one that husbands, tell your wives you love them. Let them know that you love them. Wives, let you know that your husbands that you love them and that your children that you love them. You know, many of us in my age, my generation, grew up in homes where that just wasn't said. 
at least not much by our fathers, maybe by our mothers, but in some cases just not at all. It just wasn't something that was said. And so I, we talked about that later on as I got older, my parents were getting older, and that changed. They began to say that after all those years. And, and Gigi and I have purpose, like I'm sure you have, to make sure that our children know uh, that, that we love them, not just in our actions, because sometimes they don't believe that, but that verbally we're telling them and that we tell other people. I tell men that I'm close to men that I love them and, and let they know that I love them. Telling people that, that we love them is important. Speaking those words, speaking those words. And I hope these, these few examples will encourage you to do that, especially husbands and wives. Men sometimes, I don't know what the reason is, we're just not good at that. And there's, there's no particular reason for it, but it's clear that we need to speak the words while it's still called today while it's still called today. The second one to telling is forgiving. Forgiving, and that's a dual-edged sword, seeking and extending, seeking and extending. There's so many verses. You can, again, people, people will teach um, full sermons and messages on this. I have in the past years, I'm sure. But just as I move through these, it's just a few verses to help you see how important it is to both seek forgiveness sins that you've committed against others and extend forgiveness to other people who have sinned against you. Jesus began talking about that, by the way, in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, and you can read those. I, did, I took those verses out because I had so many. I knew I'd run out of time and I would get uh, bogged down in those. So let me just give you a couple. It's interesting to me because in, eight, in Matthew 18, 21, uh, Peter asked Jesus this. This is very familiar. Uh, to most people, if you know the Bible, or uh, Christians who sit in church, Peter said to, to Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And they see, Peter thought that was magnanimous, because if you go back and look in the law, the uh, rabbis were teaching that it would be up to three times. Because God, in some way, forgiven um, Israel, uh, three times, or somewhere there's a forgiveness of three times, and I can't remember exactly what that is. I apologize for that. But Peter, thinking he was being magnanimous, would said seven. We know seven is a perfect number. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, I don't say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times, or seven times seven, and 70 times seven. It, it, the point of it is just to keep forgiving people. Now, what's interesting, what's interesting that it's easy to miss, and it's at a different time in teaching. And so I think we have to pull these together. In Luke 17, Jesus is teaching again his disciples, and he said, if your brother sins, <clears throat> your brother sins, and for us we're looking at brothers and sisters in Christ, rebuke him, or just let him know that. If he repents, forgive him. There's a repentance aspect to this. If he sins against you seven times a day, there we go with all the numbers out there. If he just continues to sin against you, but does return and says, I repent each of those times, forgive him. So there's an aspect of someone seeking, seeking that forgiveness, see, repenting and saying, man, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And we say, of course I forgive you. And that we continue to do that as long as they're repentant. People that are unrepentant and, 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 
continue to sin against us. Now, we read the passage above in Matthew 18, gives us the implication we need to forgive them. But just understand that in Luke 17, and again, with Christian to Christian, he's talking about brothers and one another. Anytime those one another verses are used, that is Christian to Christian. And they are used so many times throughout the New Testament. Jesus used them. Paul used them. All the writers of the Gospels, the epistles, uh, use those words one another. And it means Christian to Christian. It's that kind of love. It's not talking about love to non-Christians. It's not talking about that at all in those relationships. It's talking about relationships with Christians. Now, do we forgive others? Sure we do. Sure we do. So, um, in fact, one of the verses I'm going to wrap that part up with is in, in Ephesians 4.32, which many of us learned. If you grew up in the church, you knew this verse from Sunday school or uh, maybe vacation Bible school or one of those kind of, one of those things. Ephesians 4.32 says what? Be kind, be kind one to another. Be kind, kindness. Let kindness be one of those attributes, those virtues. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Have a tender heart toward one another, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another, just as Jesus, right? Just as God has forgiven you and I because of the blood of Christ. Because of what he did. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. So we need to be extending forgiveness to those who seek it, those in repentance especially. And we need to ask forgiveness, humble ourselves and ask forgiveness when we have sinned against someone else. And I believe that if you are in the Word and you are spending that time alone with the Lord, the Holy Spirit will convict you in your spirit and let you know. There's a verse that in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus talked about. It was more about reconciliation. But if you remember that, you know, someone has something against you, then you go and reconcile that. That's another one I could have used here in another area, but... Just understand that we need to be forgiving as Christians. We need to be forgiving because just as Paul said, I hope you've come to the point in your life that God, the Holy Spirit, has humbled you in, in whatever ways and that you understand who you were before, like Paul said, chief among sinners, and that God forgave you because of Christ, what Christ did for you. So how can we not forgive others? How can we not forgive others? Those who repent, come say, man, I'm sorry. Sometimes it's really hard to do. Forgiveness can be extremely hard to extend depending on what was done. It can be really hard. But the encouragement, the admonition is that we must, we must be forgiving and we must be one who seeks forgiveness when we know the Holy Spirit convicts us. We know that we have sinned against someone else and we need to go and beg their forgiveness. Just as we beg the forgiveness of God when we go to Him with our sin. All right. The third one, a little different. It's kind of a, a sort of a two-pronged uh, approach here. Reaching out to people, reconnecting with people. This became really important to me as I sat dealing with all this pain for 
like, I mean, severe acute pain for eight weeks or so post-op. Just couldn't get it under control. Drugs, pain meds, all that. And it was miserable, miserable. And you think about it, and you're just so thankful for those who are uh, kind and demonstrate the kind of Christian love that we all want to see and hope that we demonstrate, who are reaching out, calling. And I don't want to get on my rant about texting. Uh, let me make a comment about it. Look, I, I'm purposing now, and I'm letting people know, I'm going to stop texting except for emergencies uh, or unless someone refuses to do anything else and I really need to communicate with them. But if I can take time to pick out a long text, I can pick up the phone and call someone. And I grew up in a generation where initially there was no email. Texting certainly wasn't around. There weren't cell phones. And so we had to pick up the phone and call someone. And that's what I really believe strongly in today because if we need to be connecting and reconnecting with people, reaching out to people so they can hear your voice. If you can't go see them, because that's the best of all, right, is face-to-face -face going to see someone. Going to see someone when they're in the hospital, when they're homesick, they can't do anything. Um, that whole thing of hospitality, we saw some people extend that. And, um, you know, it just a handful of people and thankful for that. But we wonder why. It, it doesn't come from other places and people and think, people you think are your great friends. And, um, and so you scratch your head a bit on that. People are busy. But listen, let me just tell you this. Don't let busyness be an excuse. Don't let busyness ever be an excuse. Whether you're some busy executive or traveling or whatever, you're never, ever too busy to pick up the phone and call someone who needs to hear from you. Call someone that you need to reconcile with. Call someone that... Um, just you need to encourage them or speak a word or tell them you're praying for them. And that's my encouragement to you. And it's also an exhortation and admonition, Christian, that we've been, we've too easy, easily now begun to hide behind text messages and things that are really impersonal. And, um, and I don't think demonstrate the caring concern that picking up the phone does or certainly going to see someone uh, when that's, when that's a, uh, one thing's a possibility. So let me just, you know, give you a few verses here that, again, you don't know this verse of group in the church from Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So when things are difficult, whether it's health issues or other things, a brother in Christ, brother or sister in Christ, who really is that and is your friend and more than a friend, a brother is there in times of adversity, in times of need. You need someone, and so you have to ask yourself. We we want we we expect others to do that, but ask yourself this: Are you also being the one who is doing that? <laughs> are you the one who's being that friend, being that brother or sister, reaching out, visiting people, calling people, and taking meals? That whole thing, taking meals or things you can send Uber now. There's all kinds of ways you can do those things to just let people know that you love them that you're concerned about them, you're caring for them, and just reaching out to let them know there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Romans 10, uh, 12, let me read this brief passage. The pieces of 12 is 10 through 16, not all of it. But Paul had some great words there, again, for the church, these Christians in Rome who were being persecuted, being killed. Uh, it was a difficult, difficult time, and yet... 
uh, he's encouraging them along the lines of what I'm telling you now. He said, pick it up in verse 10, Romans 12, verse 10, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, not being lazy and forgetting to do it, or maybe saying I'm too busy, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Now listen to this. Contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Practicing hospitality. Isn't it interesting that he would use those words to these Christians? Well, the church was new and just forming and coming together in Rome. And these are house churches, by the way. They were house churches. There were groups coming together. And so he wanted these people to get to know one another because this was a disparate, disparate group, not desperate, maybe both, but just coming together in one common denominator, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul was trying to teach them, though he wasn't there with them, he's trying to teach them and writing to them in this letter how to uh, come to love each other, and how to care for one another, and how to be hospitable, loving, caring, hospitable, diligent, and all these things, serving them, serving each other. Mm. Contributing to the needs of the saints. If somebody's in need and you've got more than you need, why? Why? I wonder about that. Why? Why are you holding on to all this stuff when there's such great need within the body of Christ? There are Christians around the world that are starving to death. Never mind the, the persecuted martyrs and the churches that are being destroyed daily in all these pagan nations. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Are you at least doing that? Practicing hospitality. Are you doing that? Be of the same mind toward one another. Here's, here's a great admonition he closed this part with. He said, don't be haughty. Don't be conceited in your mind. Associate with the lowly. In other words, there were people from, you know, the house of Roman uh, rulers, emperors, all that, that were getting saved. There were rich people getting saved. There were poor people that had nothing to eat who knew the name of Jesus, and they just wanted to be among them. Oh, Christian, I, this obviously wells up in me because of the decades of ministry I've spent um, in rescue missions and with the homeless and the poor and the lowly and, and, and uh, men in prisons and because I've seen the lowly and I've been with them for many, many, many years of my life and seeing the desperation and the need to get nothing. And many, many, perhaps most brought that all on themselves, but <laughs> I still am taken by the, the great needs, the homeless and those who are, have nothing to eat or no place to go and what are we doing about that, Christians, individually? Is your church? Are your doors open? Is there a bunch of wealthy white or black people in there, and we don't want these other folks sliding in there and coming in? And I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You just have to take that before the Lord and see. Galatians 6.2, Paul said, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? 
that last commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And a new command I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That was the new part, as I have loved you. Bear one of those burdens. Mm. The fourth one is this, that we esteem and value people. That we learn to esteem and value people. I have suffered from, over periods of my life, and this is my confession, the Lord knows it, has worked on it, perhaps still working on it. My wife has known it. My children have known it. Um, and I have hoped that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we do better on this. But this is the criticizing spirit, the critical spirit, as opposed to the one that encourages and builds up. So this this point is about esteeming people. What does it mean to esteem? It means to value people and to build them up and to speak these words of encouragement. To build up, not tear down. It's a whole lot easier to tear something down than it is to build it up. A lot of verses on this, and I'm going to give you a few. In Proverbs 15, 4, it says, A soothing tongue is a tree of life. A soothing tongue. But perversion in it crushes the spirit. There's so much written about the tongue, the book of James, in the Proverbs. If you struggle with that, you go look those verses up. But I've just given you one, 15, Proverbs 15.4. A soothing tongue is a tree of life. It's life. That perversion in it, when it becomes harsh, critical, whatever, perverse, it crushes the spirit. Nothing worse than being someone who has a crushed spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, the Apostle Paul said, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So they were doing a good job. He's just saying continue in that. And so that's why the word esteeming or valuing present participle means it's ongoing, that you would continue to build each other up. Okay? James is the one that lashed out about the tongue. In James 3, verses 9 and 10, he's talking about the tongue. And he, he had, there's a lot more to say about it. I just took these two verses for the sake of time. With it, meaning this tongue of ours, he's talking to Christians now. We bless our Lord and Father, and yet with it we curse men. Who have been made in the likeness of God, and from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. Brothers, these things ought not to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. How can you sit there and bless the Lord and praise and lift him up? Oh, and bless his holy name. And then turn around and talk about some so-and-so and call him a sorry, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. Cursing them, tearing them down. How can you do that? James is saying <laughs> it isn't right. And we're taught. It's a sign that perhaps, perhaps we need to look into our hearts to see if we really are born again. Because it's not possible to continue to, to, to bless God and curse others, hold them in contempt, uh, get into politics and all that stuff where it just gets so hateful today, hating people, uh, hating people, racial issues, that kind of bigotry and things that go on. 
Um, you need to look at your own heart, examine your heart. As he also said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, do that. And the last one is this. We have looked at telling, forgiving, reaching out or uh, reconnecting, esteeming. But this last one is the most important. They're all important. They're all important. It's really important to tell people that you love them. It's really important to forgive people. It's important to reach out to people when they're in need. And as I said, it's really important to esteem and value people. But if you're really born again in Christ, then the commands of Christ, above all else, were to love people, just as I've loved you, but to share the love of Christ with people that you love and know who don't know Him. That's it. It's called evangelism. Jesus said to them, this is the shorter version of Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Mark's version, and Mark shortened things up quite a bit. That's why there's only 16 chapters in the book of Mark. So the short version in Mark of the Great Commission is this in Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and pro proclaim or preach the gospel to all of creation. <laughs> That's what he said. Jesus, of course, said, go into the world and, and going as you're going, you know, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, and the end of the age. As Christians, despite what the world says, despite the fact that they don't want to hear these things, and they don't, it is loving to share Christ to those who are perishing, and it's unloving or hateful not to do so. And just because someone doesn't want to hear it, that doesn't mean you have to get all up in their face and that kind of stuff with being that obnoxious. I mean, that's going to get you hit in the mouth or arrested or something. But we need to be sharing this in whatever way that you can. And by the way, it's not just about lifestyle evangelism. I mean, that's great. That was that's taught in a lot of places. It was for years back in decades past. And it's important that we live it out. It is. It is. And over the years, with people being around that and that kind of influence, people have uh, come to Christ in that way. But but that's not what Jesus said. What he said was to go and tell people. Go and tell people. Share the good news if you think it's good news. Do you think it's good news? Do you understand the gospel means good news, good words? Do you believe that? Because if you're really saved and born again in Christ, you'll understand the, the need and the urgency while it's still called today, while it's still called today, to be telling people, telling people that you love them, seeking forgiveness, uh, reaching out, all these things, esteeming, valuing them, while you still have the chance to do it. But above all of those is sharing the love of Christ, letting people know the goodness of God when they see him as nothing but hateful. And maybe you don't understand it, and sometimes I don't, and I've been teaching the Word of God for decades, and there's sometimes I go, Lord, I don't, get, I don't get it. I don't understand. Wow. How is this happening or that? Well, before my surgeries, I taught that series, and you need to go see it if you missed it. It's all on YouTube. I taught that series on the origin of evil, where it all came from, and why this world looks like it does, and the demonic realm that we're under, because from Genesis 3 on, 
the demonic realm began, and God gave it all over to Satan. And Jesus confirmed that three times in the book of John. I share that with you in as well. In John 14, excuse me, 12, 14, and 16, Jesus clearly told his disciples, look, Satan is the ruler of this world. And so you need to understand as Christians, we just have power and grace under that demonic realm. God's holding it back until the rapture of the church so that what? So that we can bring others in with us. That we are sharing the love of God in Christ, and that's the good news. And that's why we're here. He didn't leave us here to become wealthy, complacent Christians because, oh, he's blessing me, he's blessing me, and I've got this and I've got that. I, 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 um, I come against that. I come against that because that's not what it looks like in the New Testament. That's not what the New Testament church looked like. And that's not what those people were doing. They were sharing the love of God in Christ, and many, many thousands and thousands were coming to Christ because of the good news. Because of the good news. And they repented of their sins. They didn't go running in there just to be, you know, blessed financially and get rich like the other guys were rich. They came to get saved. They came to repent of their sins and get saved, to be born again. And this is that last one, sharing the love of God in Christ. First Peter 2, 9, I'm going to, this will be my last one. And Peter exhorting the Christians Exhorting the Christians, and with Peter, especially the Jewish Christians, you're a chosen race. Israel is a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and we are as Christians, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And here's the reason why. It's the end of 1 Peter 2.9. So that, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Jesus, who has called you out of darkness into marvelous, marvelous light. You know, it's implied, it's not stated at the end of that verse, and it's this, before it's too late. Before it's too late. You see, there's coming a time when Christ will return for his church. We call it the rapture, and some don't believe in the rapture. I do, but so that's the next step is the rapture. And if you don't think that the imminent, that the return of Christ is imminent, again, look at what's going on in Israel today, right now as I am teaching, began a couple of days ago, the onslaught and the attacks against Israel. And God will not allow the remnant of his people, those who are, have come to Christ and those who will during the tribulation, to be destroyed. He won't. He will not. And he will defend his chosen people, that group, and then his church, and they will come together. And I'm not getting off on that right now. But anyway, so understand that. But, it, but this day was going to be too late. It's too late to tell someone that you love them. It's too late to ask forgiveness. It's too late to value and esteem people. It's too late to reach out and try to reconnect and encourage someone that's hurting or come out of surgery or just can't get out of their own home or are poor or homeless. It's too late for all of that. But worst of all, it's too late to tell those you love, those in your family, your friends, those closest to you, that's the easiest one, about Christ. If they're lost, I've got bad news for you. So I've told you many times before, there's a real heaven, praise God, and there's a real hell. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And there is. And so if you take this seriously about sharing the love of God in Christ with those who are lost, then go do that.
to go do that before it's too late. Because there is a day coming, and Jesus said in Matthew 24, 37, for the coming of the Son of Man be like the days of Noah. Oh, I taught you many times on the days of Noah. We did a series on that. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage, and all the things. They were just living life and having a great time, the abundant life. Until that day that Noah and his family entered the ark, God closed the door behind them. People still laughing at them, poking fun at them. Hadn't rained yet that we know of. And they didn't understand until the flood came. And it rained, and it rained, and it rained. And, and God said, and Jesus said, it took them all away. It took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. People here are having a good time in our affluent area here in Franklin, Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, wherever you are, just having a big time. And just as lost in their sin as you can possibly be. And yet, we are not sharing the love of God in Christ for whatever reason. Don't want to hurt their feelings. Don't want to talk about sin. Don't want to talk about hell. Mostly because people really don't believe it, quite frankly. That's a different story. But my admission to you as we close is to do that, to share the love of God in Christ, beginning with your family, your friends, those that you really love and it's easy to talk to, that they need to understand the, the love of God, the love of God poured out in Christ for them, for their sins just like yours. And that's about as easy as it is and all you've got to say and inviting people to repent and receive Jesus Christ just as I do you right now. I always close this with an invitation and that's it. I'm inviting you to understand the love of God. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. If he wasn't a God of love and mercy and grace, he would not have sent Christ. He would let it all go just like he did with the flood, just like he will do again when it all comes crashing down on those who remain and continue to shake that fist, refuse to bow the knee and repent and call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, because he is, if you will repent and receive him today, and I pray that you will. Father God, oh, let someone, let someone who is hearing these words under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, just repent and receive Jesus today and understand the love, the love that you have for us. But this is the only and the final saving love, and I pray, Lord, that they would do it, they would do it, while it's still called today, before it's too late. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you, and you have a great week. To learn more about how you can become a Christian, or grow in your walk with the Lord, and receive freely of all the biblically-based content we have created, or donate to help keep this ministry going strong, go to onlyjesus.life. That's onlyjesus.life.